0: Juliet Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 161 of Dogcast Radio. Don't forget that every show we've ever done is still available to listen to at dogcastradio.com. So if there's anything dog related you want to know more about, visit our website And if you can't find it, let us know and we'll look into it. In this show, we have excellent practical advice from Tony Shelbourne about how to help your dog if he's fearful of fireworks or other loud noises.
1: In America on the 4th of July, more dogs go missing on that day than any other day of the year. That's a a known statistic. And it's the same over here. You know, The minute they hear a bang, it's so distressing. They just panic and they will just run some of them.
0: But before that, we talked to Melissa McHugh-McGrath about the very worrying practice of trucking dogs. Melissa is a dog trainer, author and broadcaster who became increasingly concerned about the way we buy dogs when she researched her book, Considerations for the City Dog. Now, as well as all that work, Melissa is a busy mum, and you'll hear that her toddler joins in for some of this interview, which is fine by me, the more the merrier.
2: Well, considerations for the city dog, it's really the urban dog owner's handbook. Um, I've been working in the city of Boston, Massachusetts since about 2004 as an apprentice dog trainer, and I earned my um, my training certification here in 2008. Um, I noticed in almost every single class my students would ask the same questions, and some were more relevant, like why does my dog bark, and some were relevant to my industry, but were questions that I got asked daily, um, but were not in my wheelhouse. Like, should I spay or neuter? That should really be a veterinarian's question. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and after hearing the same kinds of questions coming up and up and up again and again, um, and also the same conversations behind the scenes with other dog professionals. So if I met with my veterinarian friends or my dog trainer friends, we would have these behind the scenes conversations, Um, I decided to write this book to bring everyone to the table so students can see what we professionals want to know um, and what professionals want their students to know. And hopefully with this book, the two can intersect in a very useful way. Yeah. But as for what inspired it, um, I I kept a blog from like 2006 just for my students. Um, And I started writing about silly dog things in the news and just like funny dog jokes and like nothing really relevant. (laughs) Um, but then I started taking on more serious issues like, um, breed specific legislation. We call it BSL here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We have BSL here too. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, breeders versus rescues. There's like, if a show like Westminster Crufts comes up, my Facebook page reads like a, a a battle Royale, um, breeders are better. Rescues are better. And so trying to take that on a little bit and, and big problems in the training industry. Um, so I decided I wanted to make maybe a little handbook for just my students as a handout to maybe say, this is how you find a behaviorist. This is what a behaviorist is. This is what socialization <laughs> is. Um, and while I was wrestling with if I should do this or not, a, um, a bull mastiff in my city nearly killed a six foot four man and his German shepherd. Wow. Um, and that was right down the street from my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess after that incident, I saw lots of misinformation come out about dog bites and ethical treatment of stressed-out dogs, and you know, death threats to our animal control officer who wanted the dog euthanized, and breed uh, breed um, enthusiasts, I guess, of bully breeds coming forward and say, "But it was just one bite." Mm-hmm. Um, so, like seeing both sides of this argument play out in a very vitriolic manner, in a way that was not really helping the conversation Mm -hmm. um and petitions went out on behalf of the attacking dog that said one bite um i call it one event because of the severity of the bite um and this bite certainly would have killed me or my or this event would have certainly killed me and my border collie if it were us walking that day Mm -hmm. and the only saving grace was this man's size and the size of his dog so it was around that time that i decided that i might be able to clear the record on a lot of the terms that my Students ask or questions that they ask or things that they say in classes, like what socialization really is, what a behavior really is, um, the whole alpha theory dominance thing, terms that we might use as science-based positive reinforcement trainers, um, but might not be fully understood by the general public. Yes. And how the missing pieces of information, um, I argue, can harm dogs in any environment, but particularly one as stressful as a bustling city because a dog never really gets a chance to relax mm-hmm. when there's noises and buses and construction and people walking upstairs. That dog is constantly in stress, and some dogs do better with that than others.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant idea to have to get it all together in one place. You know, and you're not saying <laughs> it again and again to the blue in the face and say, "Here you go, read this," because it, it is a complex issue. My um, my niece has just got a, her first puppy, and she asked for some advice, and, and I found myself just you know it just flows. It when it's a subject you're passionate about, it just flows. And then you look at I looked at her face and thought, "Oh, you know, I've, I've said too much and I've shocked her," and it's and it's such a you know it's too much in one go. Whereas if you can access it you know, bit at a time and read it in a calm way. That's such a good idea.
2: Oh, thank you. And and this book is actually written and and hopefully hopefully I was successful in making it more of a handbook so you could go to the chapter that's important to you in that moment. So many people aren't going to get, um, probably read the first two chapters about getting a city dog or the breeder versus rescue debate because they, I would assume that they probably have the dogs, but I'm hopeful that Maybe they would hand it off to a friend who's thinking about getting a dog or read it later when they might be considering getting another dog. Um, So I I wrote the first three chapters in in anticipation of these people getting other dogs later, um, even if they might not read it now. Um, But maybe the chapter on walking devices, like which walking devices are good to use in a city and which ones may help a particular type of dog um, when um, other things like backyards, like, well, if you don't have a backyard, you might not read the chapter on having a backyard. Those are, those are uh, very rare in my yes. city, <laughs> but in some cities you might have a little chunk of concrete or a little patch of grass that it might be fenced in. And and how do you use that space without driving your neighbors crazy? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so we all have to share this space that we call a city and all of this space is shared Um, and so we have to be respectful of the other people here in the city. Even if we have dogs, we have to be good advocates of our dogs and as, good um good neighbors too
0: yeah yeah absolutely
2: I always think every time you step outside
0: the front door with your dog you need to be making a good impression you know and certainly when you go out you know if to to places parks or or whatever the venue is um that you are allowed to take your dog with you you need to make the best impression possible so that we keep getting this access and we're not banned from more and more places definitely um I guess through your work and through the research for that book, you became aware of other issues. And you have mentioned sort of the importance of how you bring a dog into your life. And there are, there's puppy mills and there's so many unscrupulous people selling dogs. Um, and that kind of led onto your next project, didn't it, Hands On First?
2: It did. And, and it was actually, I guess maybe I've been dancing around Hands On First for a while, even in writing the book, but I never really pinpointed um, pinpointed it down, I guess. Um, I was asked by the Massachusetts Vet Tech Association to mm-hmm. give a presentation. Um, and in that presentation, I wanted to talk about the things that we're seeing. As I mentioned, when I wrote the book, part of it was like having these conversations behind the scenes with other dog professionals like vets and the diseases that we've seen coming up with dogs being trucked in or puppy mills. Um, sending dogs to people who think they're getting a a well-bred dog, um, and, and talking about the ethics of all of that. Um, so in preparation for this big presentation, I was going to be giving, um, I decided to look on the internet as if I was getting a dog. And that's where I stumbled into, um, what I've been calling the pet finder loophole. Do you guys have pet finder in the UK?
0: we have various websites where you you just you know anybody can sell a dog and you can go on and um from anywhere within the country is that the kind of thing you mean
2: yeah so yeah. petfinder it's a, basically a pet conglomerate website for rescue dogs um oh, and it's okay a very, right. very good thing it, i i love the idea of petfinder and but what i discovered is many of my students um 85 in the last 2 years of just seeing individual behavior um sessions with students. Of the 85, 67 of these dogs were trucked in from the South. And what I mean by that is, um, dogs that, um, in the South, we have a different culture than, than we have here in the North. In the North, we have big spay neuter programs, a lot of education about how you get dogs. Rescue is big here. People want to save dogs here. And in the South, there's a lot of, um, high drive, terrier types, hound types that are working dogs. Um, but when they become a nuisance, they're just released. Or if um, if they get knocked up, then the puppies are just turfed. Mm-hmm. So those dogs then mature in the woods and shack up, for lack of a better term, with other dogs that have been treated the same way. And now you have these kind of wild pockets of dogs Um that are not really socialized to living with people in the, with the well intentions, with a good intention rather of collecting these dogs and trying to save them. Many of these dogs do great. Um, they're put on trucks. People here go and they adopt these dogs and it's a very good thing. Um, but of the 85 that I saw, 67 um, were trucked out of state because in my particular state of Massachusetts, these dogs are not allowed into state unless they're quarantined first. Mm. So to get around the loophole, the trucks park outside of state lines and people are invited to go to a parking lot of a Sitco parking lot or a Petco or a, oh. you know, a hotel parking lot and just pick up the dog that they were promised put it in their Honda Civic and drive it into the city and and like, yeah. that's the first time they've met their dog yeah. and I've had many students yeah. that have said this actually isn't the dog that we were promised um, <laughs> so yeah. this isn't Sparky um, and and as a result we're seeing a lot more behavior problems and people that are overwhelmed with the dogs that they have yeah. um, and and they really want to try to make it work but they might not have been prepared for the behavior modification medication discussion. They might not have been prepared for, oh, yes, I'm going to get a dog and we're going to go to a dog park and everything's going to be great. But maybe that dog doesn't like the dog park. Or, hey, let's have this dog that lives with my children. Let's have a big birthday party and maybe this dog hates kids. And these are all things that they might have been able to sort out had they were able to meet the dog first. Yeah. And when
0: when you think, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, when, no, no, it's fine. when you think about the... All the processes that a reputable rescue goes through, all, you know, all the assessment and observation of the dog, you know, as you say, with the best intentions in the world to rescue these dogs, that just, that can't have happened at that point, can it? So you you don't know as the person getting the dog, you don't know what you're
2: taking on. You really, really don't. and like I said, for half of the dogs that I see, it's fine and there's no problems. But for the other half, it's heartbreaking and crippling and and it really turns people off of rescue. Um, and, and so there's so when I go on to sites like PetFinder, and this is where I really started to discover how this actually keeps happening. When you go, I'm actually on petfinder.com right now, and if I click my zip code and I type dog. Um, And I have no other qualification except for within 100 miles of my zip code, 4,407 dogs pop up. And this is a metropolitan area that seems like a lot of dogs, but it's a metro area, no problem. If I look at this first page, and I I don't know if you'll be able to see what I'm seeing if you were doing this too, but... All of the dogs, I'm so used to doing this by now that I know what rescues are actually here and what rescues are not. And only one dog out of the first 15 is actually in Somerville. Um, the, the first dog is from a group called Blues Angels. And it and it says that it's in Somerville, Massachusetts. So like they're, they're putting this dog and they're saying it's here in Somerville. So if I'm a student and I click on this dog, her name is Sunny. Um, I click on her. And I'm like fantastic. It says Blues Angels, Somerville, Massachusetts. I click to get more information about Blues Angels, and it says that the dog is in Houston, Texas. So I don't know if uh, if your listeners quite understand how big the United States is, but Houston is about as far away from Boston as you can possibly get. It is definitely outside of a hundred mile radius. Wow. And the same thing happens for 14 out of the first 15 dogs on Petfinder. And when I alerted Petfinder to this, they had said, well. this is there are no restrictions as to who can get these dogs which is not quite right because massachusetts the reason my students have to go over state lines is because we have a state law here that says dogs have to be physically and behaviorally sound for adoption and must remain in quarantine until proven behaviorally and physically sound um so these dogs are are coming in and and again, like the rescues are really trying to save these dogs, and these people are really trying to save these dogs, and everybody's trying to save the dog. But is that dog really saved if it's stressed out and living in a condo and is not able to really cope with what's going on? And and I feel like we really need to start this discussion. And it's not just about these rescue dogs. I I, I don't want this to be rescue versus breeder because that is such a loaded argument, yeah. as, as I'm sure you know. Um, I have been a dog trainer for 13 years and I can't I have worked with stunning smart amazing dogs that come from breeders and I have worked with stunning smart amazing dogs that have come from rescue this is not about breeder versus rescue here in the states you can also go and click on any breed And think that you're getting it from a reputable breeder, but it's very likely coming from a puppy farm unless you go and meet the dog in person. Um, Puppy mills, luckily, um, have gone underground. We don't have the pet stores in in quite the same uh, numbers that we had even five years ago. Um, there are now, I think, 89 was the last recorded number I had, uh, jurisdictions that ban selling dogs through pet stores. Oh. Hooray. And that includes some counties, some towns, some corners of towns, things like that. But there are 87 or 89 jurisdictions now that ban the sales of dogs yeah. in pet stores. But those puppy mills still exist, and they can put up a pretty website and say, I'm a reputable breeder yeah. and should be that same sick dog Um, And you never know because you never saw the dog. So hands-on first is really just trying to get something that we can all get behind, which is meet your dog first and make a decision. um, In that moment, when you've got your hands on the dog, if you have your family with you, is this dog getting along with your family? Is this, is this dog in foster? Can you get videos of this dog in foster and then go meet the dog? Um, If you're not willing to go to the rescue or go to the, uh, breeding facility where your dog is. The facility makes it seem like a big one, but if it's a reputable breeder, it will, they will make you see the dog anyway. Um, and if it's a responsible rescue, they will make you meet the dog anyway. I am not saying anything other, um, anything unusual, like these places want you to meet these dogs, but in this click and ship culture, it's so easy to fall in love with the face of Sunny on Petfinder and click it and, and then find out that you have to drive to Connecticut. But by then you've already fallen in love with the dog and you're willing to do anything to save it because you're reading this sad story about how she's coming from this horrible place and, and everybody's heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same for a breeding dog. If you, if you want a purebred dog, you've got to be willing to go and meet it first. Yeah, um, yeah. It's going to be a 15 year commitment. I, I would never have just signed marriage paperwork to my husband without maybe meeting him first, right? And and I think I think maybe thinking of it in a way that this is going to be a commitment, and and our intentions are good. We can still save dogs, but we need to do it ethically, and we can still get purebred dogs, and we can do it ethically. Yeah. We just need to do so knowing what the re- word reputable and responsible actually means. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, I sitting, here, you know, listening and thinking. It's it seems to be getting more and more of a minefield for someone. You know, the the average person. I mean, you and I have spent years learning about you know dogs, and we we know the scams and the 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 tricks that people can play and and the bad side of it. But if you you are a you know an average person, if you like, who's not terribly into dogs, but you you, you want a dog. Yes, there are so many pitfalls that you need to suddenly educate yourself about and oh my goodness! yes it's it's awful we've made it so hard for people and it's just so unnecessarily. and I just feel so sorry because you know people must some people must think it's just hopeless how do I go about getting a good dog whether I adopt or whether I you know go and buy from a breeder and I, I have to say I I would not do away with breeders. There are fantastic breeders. Okay. Completely.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, we have puppy farms as well. And unfortunately, in the UK, we are having these pet superstores. I won't name any of them. But you can go and there can be, you know, as many... I don't know, I've not been in one, but you know, forty different breeds. And how do you communicate to people? That's not a good way to buy a dog. To walk into a shop and have forty different breeds that you can choose from is not the way, you know, to to buy a dog. Um so there's there's pitfalls on both sides, whether you rescue or you buy we need good breeders because I don't want dogs to die out, you know, but um, that would be the end of the world. So, I mean, we have to give people simple rules that they can apply and say, okay, if you take these precautions, if you take these steps, I mean, for example, over here, Mike Abraham has, um, where's mum? That's his campaign. Where's mum? So that, you, you know, one of the things that, um, puppy farmers are sort of doing now is they will, because people are getting wise to the pet shop thing, they will, get um respectable looking people with a with a you know a family home to front their organization so they will take the puppies to them not mum they will just take the puppies so oh. when you turn up they say oh i'm terribly sorry um the the mum died uh, um, and we've bra- we've raised the puppies and you can't see her so you know the the, the point of where's mum is okay there may be a tiny percentage of cases where that's a genuine thing in which case go and see the vet and you know find out the facts but for the majority of the time if you are told that that's a cover story it's a con walk away you know where's mum? nice and simple and hands-on first is nice and simple and go and meet the dog. i I really like these ideas that empower people
2: and the better business bureau is also i don't know if you guys have that there but um, regardless if it's a shelter or rescue or a breeding facility, I always encourage my students to check with the Better Business Bureau first to make sure that there are no complaints on file. Like mm. that's something else that somebody can do. And that way, if they suspect that it's um, a, a, either a puppy mill, a puppy farm, or a, a, maybe a not as reputable rescue that might be one of these dogs that are trying to ship under the radar, um, this is something that you can actually report and actually do something about it and start to shut these things down that are actually harming the the dogs and the people that are adopting them. Um, and then don't ship a dog unless you've previously put your hands on it and pay attention to the other dogs in the environment. Like just those three things, I think can really go a long way. It, it empowers people to say, because um, I, I get questioned a lot. Like I had one student, I wrote about her in the book, really did her research, and they drove out to Indiana, which is about a third to two-thirds of the way across the country from where we are in Boston. And they really thought that they were getting a a well-bred dog, and as soon as they arrived, and they were doing everything right, they were going to go and meet the dog, and they pull up, and they're like, this is a puppy mill. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they were like, they could still make a decision. And they made the decision to bring the dog back, but at least they knew what they were bringing back. Mm-hmm. um, they, they were like, we'll deal with it later. We'll call Melissa. Like they called me on their way. <laughs> They're like, we just did this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I I knew it was coming. These have been longtime clients of mine. I adore them. Um, and, but they knew it was going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they, that dog had just been shipped and they didn't know, um, I think I would argue it might've been even harder. Um, yeah. and, and to think that they did the right thing by going and then to still be at a puppy mill. Um, I was fascinated that the puppy mill would even let them in, Um, but they did. And that would be a case where you could contact the better business bureau or the local humane society or somebody to say, Hey, can you check on this? Because I don't think this is legit. I think the reason they took that dog one, yes, they felt bad for it, which is how puppy mills work. You feel bad and you take the dogs. But they, um, but to not be able to have any other course of action, I think is why people still in some parts of this country, I don't know about yours, will still go to a pet store and, and purchase a puppy, even if they know it's a very bad idea. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. they want to save that dog. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yet you can't argue with them wanting to save it. Um, but I think if they know that there's a course of action that they can take by contacting the Humane Society or contacting the Better Business Bureau here, I think actual things can get done.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's really about putting the information out there, educating people. Sounds patronizing. I don't mean it in a patronizing way, but educating people in yes, the no, sense I totally of, understand. Yeah, yeah. In the sense of empowering them. You know, educate yourself, empower yourself, arm yourself with knowledge. Don't let people rip you off. Know what you should be looking for. Know what you shouldn't be looking for. And again, my niece who's just had had a puppy, you know, I gave her this long list of questions to (laughs) to ask, you know, a breeder. And I was quite devious in what I put in, you know, and I said, oh, just ask her what she thinks about, you know, say you might be going to look at this pet store and see what she says to that because if she doesn't look horrified... You Know and, and say no, 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 don't go. You you maybe want to think again, but then yeah, I got I tied myself in knots because I was saying to them, but don't be too enthusiastic about you, you thinking about going to the pet store because she might throw you out, she might not want you to have one of her dogs if she's a good breed, right? right? <laughs> but you know, and you think, how have we come to this? But um, <laughs>
2: it's we it have is to be like that, we have to because if yeah. not, you're gonna you might be bringing home a dog that isn't quite what you were going in for and and that doesn't help anybody no no i mean the thing is when i you know it's kind of you're not saying you
0: have to have the perfect dog but you have yeah. to start off you have to give yourself the best shot at a happy healthy dog don't you
2: absolutely and and with these dogs that are being trucked in we're seeing a lot more um contagious disease and illness coming up with these dogs like in the state of massachusetts um there's this disease called rocky mounted spotted fever it's a tick-borne illness here. Um, And we didn't really have that here until we started trucking dogs in um, that were affected by this in the southern states that brought this disease up with them. So we're seeing uh, diseases, we're seeing behavior problems, and and we're hitting a tipping point now. And and I think people are really frustrated. Um, And granted, that's what that's why hands-on first kind of came out of this book like this book really isn't about that per se though i do address how to find a good breeder and how to find a good rescue Mm. um the rest of the book is really more about like puzzles and brain games and um athletics sports agility uh canine disc um yeah. loose leash walking equipment things like that and just to consider your neighbors and your dog and your family because it's not just you and your dog it's you your dog and a million other people yes. <laughs> um, and, and so I really really am trying to just say just be considerate of everybody involved
1: because it's not just you and your dog yeah
0: yeah absolutely um Melissa we could we could talk about this all night um but I you know we, we've sort of We've gone over some of it. Um, If if people, you know, if we've caught people's interest, and hopefully we have, um, where can they find out more, both about Considerations for the City Dog and Hands On First?
2: Um, Both can be found at Mm -hmm. considerationsforthecitydog.com. And there's a little um, tab uh, titled Hashtag Hands On First. And my hope is that ethical breeders and ethical rescues will start branding themselves with Hands On First as a way to say, I'm going to make you meet this dog. Yes, and we are we're trying to operate above board. And I mean, there it certainly isn't the end all be all, but it's a start. Yeah. Um, and so considerations for the citydog.com. Um, and if you're here in the states, um, you can see me at New England Dog Training Club. I'm the training director there, and or one of the two training directors there. Oh, hold on a second, easy. doing some baby training while we're having a conversation Um,
0: (laughs) that's much harder than dog training
2: (laughs) the potty training seems to be (laughs) Um, and I also write for um, over here there's a a popular radio show called Car Talk and they just recently started a pet travel series called Car Talk Fido and I write with my veterinarian friend Dr. Sip Sipperstein for Car Talk Fido
0: I checked that out and it did
2: make me laugh. <laughs> oh my gosh, we try, we try. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it is, I mean, you, the, the one I read was dealing with, um, it, you know, if your dog doesn't travel well and they may um um yeah. emit bodily fluids <laughs> in
2: the, in the we, car. We try to keep it light, even though some of the things are a little more serious.
0: Yes,
1: yeah. Um,
2: but we do try to keep it light. We have a couple in the can that are... Um, About um, dogs in hot cars. So I talked to a canine officer about how much expensive it is to keep his car cool for his canine uh, companion, his police dog. um, And all of the bells and whistles that he has to do. And even then he said, I never just trust the equipment because it can fail. Like, I never just leave my dog in the car. And and that was so eye-opening to me. And we try to make it funny.
0: Oh, good, um, good for him though, because you do hear of police dogs dying in in hot cars. It's it, it's very sad. United
2: States this year, and um, I was I was dumbfounded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but oh, we're gonna get a little outro music, but <laughs> <laughs> my, my daughter has. I did not know she had this skill oh, of turning on the keyboard <laughs> and the amplifier. <laughs> well, we taught her a new trick.
0: well uh, melissa thank you ever so much for um taking time out and and uh, you're obviously a busy woman thank you for taking time out oh my goodness
2: thank you so much this (laughs) has been such a pleasure and and i'd love to chat shop anytime
0: isn't she lovely and thanks to her little girl for that musical edition too we have links to melissa's mutt stuff blog where you can read more of her thoughts and find out more about hands-on first We also have links to the considerations for the City Dog website and the Car Talk blog. So to get yourself up to speed on all this and more, visit dogcastradio.com. Dogs can hear sounds at four times the distance that humans can. But even more amazingly, they can differentiate odours in concentrations nearly 100 million times lower than humans can. If you have ever been frustrated by the choices the heroine makes in the stories you read, then Macy's Choice is for you. With Macy's Choice, at the end of each chapter you are offered a choice. There are always two options, and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters, and 128 different endings... Macy's Choice is an exciting innovation allowing you the reader to enjoy multiple happy endings. Why read just one story when you can read them all? Macy's Choice is a novel you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience, to find love with each of the 3 heroes. And it may be the only book you need this summer. To find out more, visit macy'schoice.com. That's dot com, or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com I can't believe we're already in September, but for those of us in the UK, that means that November the 5th, Bonfire Night, is looming. And for anyone with a dog who's frightened of fireworks or other noises, it's looming very large. But don't panic because our next interview is with Tony Shelbourne, who is an experienced dog trainer. She was a senior wolf handler for many years and also a Tellington touch expert. Tony and her colleague, Karen Bush, are going to share their expertise and knowledge in a series of books which will each concentrate on one subject. The first book is called Help, My Dog's Scared of Fireworks. And Tony and Karen have the advice you need because they've each lived with a dog with exactly this fear.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think all of us in our lifetime will own a dog who's frightened of noises in some way, whether it's fireworks or thunder or whatever it is. Mm. Um, And it's really distressing, isn't it? Because you feel so helpless. Um, So having tools to be able to manage that and actually to help them get over it is just a really useful thing to have. And there's bits of information out there all over the place. But Karen Bush and I thought we would pull everything we know and every single remedy and every single idea Mm. into one book, one simple book that people can buy and just read all of it and have all of it to hand. So it's not a massive book because it just covers the one subject. But it does give you lots of ideas. So things, some things you may have tried before, some things you might not have heard about or thought about. gives you a 10-point plan of what to do on the actual night and what to do on the run-up to prepare them as well. So it gives you all the information you need to hopefully manage the situation but also improve your dog's ability to cope with the fireworks as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's brilliant because that's, you know, for, for one thing – different things work for different dogs so to have sort of all those strategies that you can read about and try out is brilliant um but to have practical help you know okay what can I actually do you know a 10-point plan is
1: brilliant yeah and I think you know a lot of it's in the planning people forget that they can actually do a lot on the lead up to fireworks night to mm. the season because it's not just one night anymore is it I mean no. it does go on for a long time so if you start at the beginning of October and start to prep them for it, you know, once you get to that really stressful period, then often the dogs are much calmer, able to settle. You know, they don't increase their anxiety and they can actually start to improve their kind of outlook, their, their opinion of the noise and get, kind of get brave around it as well. Yeah. So it's all about the prep, really. But, you know, sometimes these things happen out of the blue. We don't know that it happens. It also gives you tips to be able to sort that out as well. But as you say, you know, dogs react in different ways. So it really goes through all the different behaviours, whether it's hiding, whether it's pacing around, whether it's barking, gives you ideas how to cope with all of those issues um, and, and help them just to settle and, and, and gives you something practical to do because you feel so helpless as an owner.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it is. It's horrible. And as you say, you know, I've been lucky so far and our dogs have have been okay with i mean i mean buddy being a gun dog, you'd expect i imagine <laughs> he wouldn't be that bothered um but you know i've been quite lucky but if it does happen it you know it's one of those things that it, it's just terrifying your dog it, it's horrible for you and as you say dogs manifest that fear in
1: different ways don't they yeah i mean you know, think about it not so much maybe with fireworks but things like thunder they can then chain that to Um, you know, to rain, to it, to the skies being dark. You know, they're so clever at chaining these things back together that they end up being scared of not only just the thunder, but all the situations around it as well. And it's the same with the fireworks. You know, for months they can not be comfortable going on their nighttime walk yeah. you know they they won't pee until the next morning you know it's really uncomfortable for them mm. it's really distressing so anything we can do to help settle that and sometimes we can get over the issue completely and others it's just a management tool but it's a management tool to help them cope and you know get over it quickly because a lot of people say to me oh my dog is really wary all the way through the evening even into the next morning You know, and that then ends up being days and days because of the fireworks going off. Mm. That's no place to live for your poor dog. So, you know, hopefully the book will give people some inspiration and some ideas of other things that they can try if they've not been successful so far in helping their dogs. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it is fireworks seem to be going off more times of the year as well. And it, it is a big problem because, I mean, my Facebook feed just fills up with people saying, you know, how upset their dog is and how affected they are by this. And it's, we, you know, we have it on New Year's Eve and then we have it seem to have it sort of birthdays and, and they're getting bigger and louder fireworks. And so it is a big problem to cope with if it affects your dog um i'm not asking you to give away you know lots of the contents obviously but you know we want people to buy the book but what's sort of what's your top tip what can people do you know to really help their dog
1: it's all in the preparation so don't wait for your dog to be fearful even if you have a dog that looks completely bomb proof these incidents can happen so it's, you know, it's a big section in the in the book on, on telling and touch training. and So doing lots of T-touch on the lead up to fireworks night is really, really important. I didn't wait with my last dog. I didn't wait to see whether she'd be fearful in our first fireworks season together. I prepped her hmm, for cool. every night from the 1st of October, she had a bodywork session, she wore a body wrap. And by the time we got to fireworks night, she was absolutely brilliant. Now, this dog in rescue, when I worked with her um, before she came as a foster and then stayed with me permanently, hmm. would react to just the, the air freshener going off. Aww. So I wasn't going to wait and see if she had an issue. I was going to help her from that point onwards. And it's really interesting because all the people I know that do tea touch on their dog and prep them on the lead up to fireworks night you're sitting on Facebook, like you say, on the night because you can't go anywhere because you need to be in with your yes, dog. Yes, One of my friends who do who do t shirts on their dogs go, oh, we're having a lovely night. The dogs are having a tube. They've been in the garden and watched the fireworks. They've settled down. You know, I've, they've got their body wraps on. And all of my friends who don't do any prep are sitting there on Facebook going, I hate fireworks. I think mm. they should be banned. And, and, oh my dog's really distressed. And I'm like. Well, you know what i do why is it are not asking me to help just do the detail stuff it can be really really helpful
0: yeah yeah no definitely definitely because it, it's i mean they, they can become extremely distressed i mean the other heartbreaking thing is some dogs when they're spooked by fireworks and again you don't always know when it's going to happen
1: they actually run away and just and and get lost don't they Absolutely. And we focus on that a lot in the book about prevention of your dog escaping. Because even if you think your garden is escape proof, they'll find a way out if they're frightened. Even if you think your harness is secure and you're out walking and one goes off, they can get out of the harness. So it gives you practical tips of what to do, how to do it. Um, some really good advice about designing and, and buying harnesses that they can't get out of. Because this is a major issue. You know, In, in America on the 4th of July... More dogs go missing on that day than any other day of the year. That's a a known statistic. And it's the same over here. You know, the minute they hear a bang, it's so distressing. They just panic. And they will just run, some of them. So, you know, we can give you in the book practical tips to stop your dog escaping, hopefully. And then, you know, obviously not getting injured on the road or lost or just absolutely terrified.
0: I mean, it it sounds... Very comprehensive, the book, because, I mean, th- th- you've, you've mentioned aspects already that I ha- wouldn't have, have thought of. So whether your dog is already, you know, you, you are aware your dog is frightened of fireworks and noise or, as you say, whether you you don't know, but you want to make sure,
1: this book is going to be useful, isn't it? Absolutely. We wanted it to cover every single aspect that we could think of. You know, Karen and I have got lots of experience owning dogs of our, ourselves, who, who are noise-phobic. And obviously just working with dogs as well that we we know have these issues so we want to give everybody absolutely every bit of information why which is why we just did one book on one subject I mean, it doesn't even cover the fireworks aspect or other noise focus like crop scarers or you know some dogs are so sensitive to things like frying bacon or the clicking of our, our you know our washing machines and things like that thought so, no we're just going to do one book covering this subject and in a later date, we'll probably do another book to cover the other sounds. But we know this is such a big issue. And we had so many things we wanted to share that we thought, you no, know, just, just one small, very accessible book. Put it out there as cheaply as possible in as many formats as possible. And, uh, you know, it can really help because, you know, there's a massive percentage of dogs who are fearful of noises and it affects so many people's lives. Yeah. And for years and years and years, I never got to go and watch a firework display because I was nowhere. I was going to leave my dog. I love fireworks, but you just don't leave your dogs, do you? And it, no. you know, it affects people. Ex- you know, too extreme sometimes. Yeah. So you know, we we need to give people those skills, those practical tips, and it does cover everything. You know, we do even talk about drugs from the vets. You know, you know, it may not be suitable for everybody or for every dog. It's quite expensive, but we still need to need to let people know about that because it is some dogs may be useful but there's there's tips on homeopathy there's tips on aromatherapy there's uh, you know tips on you know diffusers you can use anything you can think of you know where to place crates you name it it's in the book Mm -hmm. excellent excellent now
0: you mentioned there that it's sort of this is the first in in a series so um what what led you and Karen to sort of put this series together
1: well, it's really Karen's brilliant idea. We kept talking about doing some books together and and, and it's a, we thought about the fact that, you know, there's so many books out there that have got lots of um, information about lots of different issues. But if you only want the information on one issue, you don't want to buy the whole book. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, let's do a, a series of mini books. So you can build them up to one big book and buy them all if you want to. But, you know, people just want to have the information on that particular issue that's relevant to them at that time. So let's do lots of little help books. Let's put every single thing we know in to help in that situation. And and then that will be a practical guide for people that they're more likely to to use. Because let's face it, we've all got training books that we've bought and we've read little sections of them and we've skipped other bits because they're just not relevant to us at that time. So let's do little tiny books to help. So the next book we're writing at the moment is um, Help My Dog um, Doesn't Travel Well. Mm -hmm. So dogs who are motion sick on the car or maybe are barking and lunging at things going past the car. So everything you need to know about traveling. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're also going to do one on uh, the the two after that. So we're thinking about writing three at the same time. So we're going to do a book to help people for house training. And also for dogs that pull on leash, because I think those are again three major issues that are quite common uh, that people need help with. But over the over the the months and years, we'll just keep adding to these. So any subject that comes up, so we might do one on, for example, shadow chasing. We might do one on who knows what, whatever yeah. people yeah. want really, and what we we can think of, what resonates with us, we'll put a book together for it, and we'll put it out as an ebook first of all. But we, we what we know is people sometimes like to have that that paperback copy so we're also going to put them out in in paperback form as well so fireworks is out in both formats at the moment uh, and in the future then the rest of them will be out in both formats as well but we're going to keep it really cheap as well you know because people need this this information this isn't about us on a money-making exercise this is about us helping people out there practically with their dogs yeah yeah
0: i think the other thing is when you have a problem and with your dog, and you're desperate for help, and you look on the internet, you can be bombarded with information, and some of it will be good, and some of it might not be so good. So to have this information from two people who, first of all, know what they're doing, but second of all, sort of do it the right way, you know, you... you 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 sort of wouldn't you you advocate the right, uh, gentle sort of reward based methods and things that are going to put the dog at the the centre of things. Um,
1: Yeah. And it's a gift, isn't it? It's not just us as well. We double check with lots of other of our professional friends to make sure we've a got all the information we need and b that it's correct. The great thing also about the ebook and the, and how we put the paperback version out is that we can change bits of information on that as and when we need to. So if new products come online that are really helpful for dogs with fireworks, we can put it in at a later date. It's really simple just to uh, just take your book offline for a few hours, update the information, stick it back out there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's lovely that, you you know, you think we're putting the right information out there because that is really important to us. You know, we've double checked all our facts. We've double checked with friends. We've made sure we've got – and there's bound to be stuff out there that people have used that works that isn't in the book. We can't put everything in. But if people let us know and it's a good idea and it works, we're happy to include it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's a great approach. And presumably, if people um, sort of have an issue that they're really, really struggling with their dog with, um, I mean, for example, one that I've struggled with in the past and, and been bombarded with things on the internet is coprophagy, you know, the, when the dog eats the yeah. poo. Um, so if people are really struggling with an issue, can they get in touch with you and sort of request a future title?
1: Yeah, of course, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's people out there who've got, you know, issues that really need dealing with, we're, You know, more than happy to look at that. You know, they can contact us really easy through the Facebook page. Um, You can contact us through the website as well. You know, we we want feedback. It would be really, really good. We want information from people, ideas from people that would be fantastic.
0: Great. Well, um, Tony, I think it's a great idea. I wish you and Karen lots of luck with it, and I know you're going to help lots of people. Thank you. So there you go. The good news is, if your dog is afraid of fireworks, you can do something about it. But as Tony says, the important thing is to get started right now. We have a link on the Dogcast Radio site to Tony and Karen's Canine eBooks website, and we also have links to Tony's Facebook and Twitter pages. So hopefully now, fireworks night can go with a bang, not a whimper. <laughs> dogs no matter how much they differ in size and appearance are identical in anatomy 321 bones and 42 permanent teeth did you see the story in the news about the young australian shepherd dog who was lost in wyoming's yellowstone national park for six weeks poor jade was in her owner's car when it was involved in a head-on collision Both owners, David Sowers and Laura Gillis, were seriously injured and as rescuers tried to get Jade out of the car, the terrified dog bolted into the woods. David and Laura put up flyers all over the park and despite the dangers from bears and wolves, the couple never gave up hope that they would see Jade again. Finally, 42 days after she went missing, Laura, searching in the park, spotted a blur of black and white movement in the distance, called to the dog and up Jade came. Now, apparently, although she's very, very thin, Jade is otherwise happy and healthy, and we do love a happy ending at Dogcast Radio. Meanwhile, there was a sighting of a dog in a much more luxurious setting when Tom Hardy took his lab-mix dog, Woody, onto the red carpet at a film premiere. Taking Woody with him wasn't a stunt for the cameras, though, as Tom gets great comfort from the presence of his dogs and apparently would only attend drama classes if his previous dog, Max, was allowed in with him. Tom's also spoken out previously about encouraging anyone looking for a dog to adopt rather than buy, and has also spoken out in support of pit bulls, pointing out what great family companions they can make. And if you're looking for a new canine companion and you live within three hours of New York, do check out Kiko, a 14-year-old pit bull mix who is currently in need of a home. Back in 2012, Kiko protected his owner when an armed robber broke into their house, taking a bullet to the head in the process. Sadly, last year, Kiko's owner lost his home and handed the dog into rescue. Kiko was very withdrawn initially, but then the rescue were surprised to find that Kiko was not shut down at all, but actually completely deaf. Once they discovered this and started to communicate through touch and visual methods, he became a much happier dog. To find out more about Brave Kiko, visit the Mighty Mutt's Rescue website where he and many other deserving dogs are awaiting a new home and the love they need to thrive. In the next show, we'll be hearing from a trainer who advocates making training fun for your dog and from an owner who wants to spread the word about the dangers of double Merle matings. Till next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny.
1: Why was the cat scared of the tree? Because of its bark.